0: the greatest lack in the american church today is not volunteers or preachers or seminaries or bibles or even money our greatest lack is the knowledge of the holy spirit it is the thing we most need it's not by great programs or by powerful orators or by worldly gimmicks that a new spirit of godliness will be born in the church not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts in Zechariah chapter four, verse six. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Who is this Holy Spirit anyway? Well, don't go anywhere. I will be right back and we'll take a look. Every life needs a purpose to which it can give the energies of its mind and the enthusiasm of its heart. Hello all, and welcome to A Victorious Life Is Yours. There is a place here reserved just for you to be inspired, uplifted, encouraged, and strengthened in your daily walk of life in every area of your life, spirit, mind, and body. I'm Renee Marie Jones, your host, and I love and live to empower people to make a difference in their own lives, as well as everyone that they come into contact with. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get started, victorious ones. Hello, all. And welcome to this Friday's edition of A Victoria's Life is Yours podcast. So today is Friday and um, I don't know where you all are, but I'm experiencing seeing some heavy, heavy thunderstorms in our area. So you may hear some thunder booming in the background as we do today's podcast. So um, this week has been a great week. I hope it's been a great week for you all. Uh, we had some... We had a couple of challenges that we um, came up against, but you know, we know that God is faithful. God always comes through, and oftentimes when things happen, we don't understand why they happen. And we don't always have to understand why they happen. The only thing that we need to understand and to know within our hearts that when we cannot understand, or comprehend the hands of God, we know his heart and he loves us. So I hope that your week has been a great week. I hope you have been seeing the greatness of the Lord. I hope you've been spending time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, talking to the Holy Spirit, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to show you things that you need to be shown, to bring things back to your remembrance. But that you really have taken this time that we've been looking at the missing link, which is the Holy spirit, that you have really sought his presence out in your life. We prayed a prayer. Uh, I think maybe last the last podcast or the one before about if you needed to be filled with the Holy spirit, we prayed a prayer asking that you be filled with the Holy spirit, that Jesus baptizes you into the Holy spirit. Because when we looked at that, we saw that Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy spirit. We saw that in John chapter seven, that he is the baptizer. So we're going to, um, just quickly go back through the, just talking again to recap on the baptism of the Holy spirit. It's, it's just simply, uh, an, it's an experience that's distinct and separate from salvation. So we know that when we're born again, we're born again by the spirit. We know that God's spirit baptizes us into, or we are baptized into the body of Christ when we're born again. Uh, We know that God's spirit seals us uh, because we belong to God. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just a separate experience from salvation that every believer should seek and should receive john said it in matthew, matthew 3 11. he said i baptize you with water but after me will come one who is more powerful than i and he was referring to jesus he said who will baptize you with the holy spirit and on uh and fire and then we saw in acts chapter 2 verse 38 with peter saying repent and be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit so we know that the holy spirit that's we have been talking about that the holy spirit himself is a gift that was sent from the father by Jesus's request, because remember, he said, I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit belongs to every believer. If you desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and the word baptize comes from the Greek word baptisto and baptisto means to be completely uh, submerged, completely uh, immersed into something. So for example, Um, the, in the Bible days, the, uh, people would take cloths and they would dye the cloths. And when they would take the piece of cloth, they would dip it down into the dye and they would completely submerge that cloth down into the dye. And that dye, that cloth would take on the color of that, um, uh, that cloth would take on the color of that dye. But it was completely submerged. And once it took on the color, let's say if it was purple, the color was purple, it became purple. It may have been white before, but now it's purple. So it's completely changed. Well, when we are baptized, baptized into the Holy Spirit, we are fully immersed and we get all of who he is. We get all of his power, all of his might. We get all of his wisdom. We get all of his strength. We get everything that the holy spirit god the holy spirit is we get all of him and then we get to give him all of us so that's what we were talking about here as we were looking at uh, being baptized into the holy spirit and then we looked at the fact that not only uh, is the Holy Spirit a gift, but he also has ministries and we looked at the things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer, how he was central in Jesus's life and, central, uh, in, and should be central in the life of the believer and that the Holy Spirit himself as a gift gives gifts because the baptism of the Spirit gives us a supernatural language and supernatural power and we looked at that we looked at how the baptism of the holy spirit uh gives us the wisdom that we need it gives us the power because to walk this christian walk we must have power it's not possible for us to do what the bible says it's not possible for us to follow god in our own natural strength and abilities we need supernatural strength so as i heard a bible teacher say the other day is that the holy spirit puts a super on our natural and enables us to walk in the spirit so we need the holy spirit so that is what we're going to continue with on today as we are continuing looking at the gifts of the holy spirit we began that on last Friday, So I encourage you to get the podcast if you need to, to go back and listen to what we discussed and what we talked about. So we're going to continue on continuing on with the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Now we said that the gifts are to empower us to witness to the world or the gifts are for i'm sorry the purpose of the gifts is to accomplish god's purpose so that's what we're establishing today that the purpose of the gifts some of which we've already looked at and we'll look at some more in a few but the purpose of the gifts that the holy spirit gives is twofold one so that we can accomplish god's purposes in the world that's number one and the second purpose of the gifts that the holy spirit gives to the believer is to edify his church so it's to the gifts are to accomplish god's purposes in the world Number one. And number two, they are given to edify the church. And that word edify means to encourage, to strengthen, and to build up. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called each and every person to do in the world, regardless of whether you have a a title or you've been called to ministry per se or not. Every person has a gift and God wants to, the Holy Spirit wants to give every person a gift. He wants to baptize us into him so that we can receive a gift so that we can perform the purposes that we have been born and called for in the world. And as believers and in as a member of the body of Christ, not just your local church, but in the body of Christ itself, we are called to edify, to encourage We are called to edify, which means to encourage, strengthen, and build up the body of Christ. That's what we should be doing, even in, and especially so in our local churches. So that's the two purposes, the twofold purposes of the gifts. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four. And we're going to look at, um, some more gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, We looked at uh, Romans uh, chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we saw gifts in those chapters. And we kind of skipped over um, when we're going to go back there, Romans chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But I want us to go to Ephesians 4 because there's another group of gifts that we find there as well. So Ephesians 4, starting with verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace notice it says unity in the spirit the holy spirit brings unity and we see that as we begin to start looking at the lives of the apostles and the disciples after pentecost how they all came together and they did things in a unified manner verse four there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, I I see, and it's interesting here in verses 4 through 6, we see the Godhead again. We see in verse 4, it says there's one body and one spirit. So that's God, the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, we see one Lord, okay, Jesus Christ, God the Son. And in verse 6, we see one God and Father father, God, the father. Now, remember when we talk about, talked about the Godhead, we said not one as in one unit, but one in unity, one in essence, one in agreement, but there's three persons, distinct persons in the Godhead. And here we see them, God, the spirit, God, the Holy spirit, God, Jesus, God, the son, and God, the father. So verse seven, here we go with the gifts. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. So we know that Jesus first went into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Okay. So Jesus descended into hell as we know it. And then he ascended because we read that or read that he led captivity captive. So he took the saints of old who died before he came and he led them, okay, to heaven. And it says when he did that, verse 11, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, okay? So we see here what is called, we don't see that term in scripture anywhere, the five-fold ministry, but it is a term that has come about to refer to these five gifts, and these are five offices that can be found and are usually found in a church. So we're looking here in chapter Ephesians chapter 4 and looking at a list in verse 11 of some more gifts. Now, these gifts apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher again, fivefold ministry. Like I said, we don't really see, we've not seen the term fivefold ministry in scripture but that's what the name has been given to these five offices that are in the church. So let's look at them. And we're going to look at them briefly because there's so much information here that, you know, I don't really have, we don't have the time. I mean, this is a whole nother teaching in and of itself. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a few too. So, but let's just take a look at them quickly. So we've got the first office or gift ministry gifts, which is the terminology that really is a truer terminology because it, it it is talking about gifts. And these are the five offices that are in a ministry. So we'll use ministry gifts. Okay. For our purposes, the apostle. So the apostle, an apostle comes from the Greek word apostolos and it means one who is sent Okay. So now the, the, the the duty of the apostle basically is to lay foundational truths in a church and to exercise correction and to solve spiritual problems. And most of the time when you talk about an apostle, apostle establishes churches. Okay. And they go and they set things up. They set a church up. Now you, we hear the term and you all may know, uh, individuals who have the term apostle in front of their, their name. Okay. But again, we must look at the actual dealings and the ministry of an apostle. What does an apostle actually do? So again, lay foundational truths in starting a church, in starting a church, apostles start churches. They are sent out by the Holy Spirit to start churches. Apostolos means one who is sent. And we have some that are sent and we have some that just went okay now also to exercise correction and solve spiritual problems to establish churches okay and they set things up they set the other church the other offices in those ministries up the other offices that might be ministers or deacons and other church leaders so that's what an apostle is Paul was a teacher and he was an apostle. He was called the apostle Paul. Okay. And we know that that's what he did. He went, he set up churches, he established churches, he laid foundational truths, he exercised correction, and he definitely solved spiritual problems. Okay. So the next ministry gift is prophet. A prophet is a seer. Okay, when we talk about that's an old word, but it's a a seer, a person who sees and speaks from the mind of God and speaks whatever God has revealed to him from his mind. He speaks that. So when we think of the office of a prophet, most of oftentimes we always just think that a prophet foretells the future, but the prophet speaks from the mind of God. Okay. And he, uh, or she will always, uh, it's, it's a revelation. It will be the gift of revelation. And we're going to look at that. The gifts of revelation will always operate through that prophet. Okay. Revelation, when we're talking about revelation, that, that God, the Holy Spirit will reveal to them something that they need to see something that they need to know from the mind of God. Now that prophet stirs the emotions and the hearts of people for God, they bring life and maturity to the church. They can bring also direction and revelation and they do predict future events. Okay. And prophets pronounce judgment. When we read the old Testament, uh, we really see, in fact, we, there are several books in the old Testament that we call my minor and major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, you know, um, these were all prophets of God. However, remember that. And I want us to remember that the prophet sees the mind of God and the prophet speaks from the mind of God. The Holy spirit reveals to that prophet what is on God's mind, literally. Okay. Now, the next gift is an evangelist. We see evangelists, An evangelist is is simply one who announces glad tidings. You know, healings and miracles will always follow an evangelist. When we think about evangelists, we think about uh, men and women who do, you know, crusades or they're preaching and they're teaching. And when they preach and when they teach, miracles and healings will follow. Will follow that is the sign of an evangelist, healings and miracles. you know, uh, um, uh, we I, I think about evangelist Billy Graham, uh, who has gone to be with the Lord, but so his his ministry, you can follow his many, many years of ministry, and you can see the signs and the wonders and the miracles that manifested as this man of God, this evangelist of God flowed in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Normally the evangelist is attached to some church. So within a church, it could be a person that is actually considered to be the evangelist of the church. That person will probably be over the crusades. They will be over the out out uh, out of the four, wall, four walls, uh, outreach ministry of that church. That would be the evangelist. But the evangelist is the one who preaches and teaches or preaches, I should say, the glad tidings of the gospel. Now, the um, the evangelist immediately will confront the world with the gospel and hopefully get a clear decision from people for God, and they will lead people to Christ and encourage converts to follow Jesus. So if you are an evangelist then that's your gift, you should be out there on fire, winning souls for Jesus, talking to people about Jesus and the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come upon them and they will give their life to Jesus. Next, we see the pastor, okay? Now, the pastor, the Greek word is pamenean, 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 and it means shepherd, Shepherd. Okay. And that's what a pastor is. He is like a shepherd. He's the shepherd of the flock. Uh, this office is a stationary position in the local church. Okay. He is the one, or she is the one that actually is right there in the church and stays with the flock. When you think about a shepherd, they didn't go all over the place. They actually were right there. They stayed with the sheep. They stayed with the flock. They were in the sheepfold, caring for the sheep, nurturing the sheep, um, protecting the sheep. And so this is the role of a pastor. Now, and we'll see that in a few, but the pastor can operate in any of the gifts of the spirit and normally does operate in any of the gifts of the spirit because when you think about it if you are a stationary have a stationary position in the church as the leader of god's people then you would have to have a array of gifts in order to deal with the various sheep (laughs) that are in that ministry so that's the pastor as the pastor, a stationary position. And then we have our teacher. And that comes from the Greek word didaskalos, which means to instruct or one who causes us to understand or to shine light on something. So when you think about a teacher, uh, a teacher that's a ministry gift teacher, not a Sunday school teacher. And I think we touched on this a little bit that Sunday school teachers are not necessarily a minister of the gospel because all of these, these gifts right here, these are will be ministers. These are licensed and ordained men and women of God should be licensed and ordained men and women of God that the Holy Spirit has given the power to be that apostle, to be able to lay foundational truths and start churches, to see the mind of God, to be able to preach the glad tidings, to be able to stay in one place. I think the oldest pastor that I remember or that I've known about who uh, was the pastor of one church, they only had one pastor and he was the one and he was pastor of that church for 60 years. Think on that. He started pastoring when he was a young man in his 20s. So he was in his 80s uh, and then his, you know, he got sick and he no longer could, could pastor the church. But he stayed in that one ministry. Only the Holy Spirit can set us in those places and set men and women in those places like that. And then so this teacher, again, will teach the true doctrines of God's word, God's will, God's purpose, and he uses the Bible. Now, a skilled teacher will bring God's word with simplicity, pray over the word. A skilled teacher has divine insight, can break that word down to the T, uh, have authority, they will have continuous flow of revelation of scripture bring life to the scripture and that teacher will actually cause that this the listener or the student to establish and have a firm foundation that's what the teacher does the teacher lays that foundation uh, uh, in, in that ministry, I had a powerful, strong, foundational uh, Bible teacher when I started out 30 plus years ago. And because of that sound teacher, that skilled teacher, uh, I can say that my growth as a Christian began because he laid the foundation and then many others began to build upon that foundation. But I let him lay the foundation, you know, he created a hunger in me for the word of God. That's what a teacher should do. They should create a hunger in you where you want to know more of the word of God. So the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Those are the five ministry gifts. Now, one of the things that we often look at and attribute to each one of these gifts is when we talk about the apostle, we say that the apostle is the eyes of God. Okay. The apostle is the eyes of God. The prophet is the mind of God. That's what the prophet brings to us. The evangelist is the heart of God. Again, that fiery preaching from an evangelist flows straight from the heart of God. The pastor, the hands of God, God knows the pastor does the work. My husband is a pastor. I know the work that's involved in pastoring the church. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of work. But think about it. When you talk about a shepherd, okay? It's a lot of work involved, deep work that's involved. And then the teacher, the teacher is considered to be the ears of God. So we've got eyes, mind, heart, hands, and ears of God operating through these five ministry gifts. As we look at verse 12, it goes on to tell us the purpose of these five ministry gifts. Verse 12 says in Ephesians chapter four, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So there it is, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So these five ministry gifts should be in a local church now you may not have all of the gifts there you may not have an apostle a prophet evangelist pastor and teacher but if you do have people who are operating in these five ministry gifts that would be a very strong church because they equip these five gifts equip the saints for the work that needs to come from the body of christ that's what they do and also they edify the body of christ remember we said the word edify means to encourage strengthen and build up so they encourage strengthen and build up the body of christ as well verse 13 says until we come all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ god wants his people mature he wants us to come to the knowledge of his son And he wants to bring us to a place of perfection. And that perfection is in being conformed to the image of his son, as well as into the knowledge of his son. It's always God's desire that we come to know him in the fullness of who he is. These five fold gifts, these five ministry gifts help do that. So that we will no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to see, to deceive. So here we see that that is God's desire that we are not going back and forth, in and out, that we're not walking as children, living out this Christian walk as children, being immature, but He desires us to grow up. We have to grow up in Christ, grow up in the things of God. And this only happens from people that God sets into place and he sets them into our local church. That is why God desires that we attend and be a part of a local church. This, this is where we grow. This is where we grow because these people, these gifts, these ministry gifts were given to grow us, to grow us into maturity, to grow us into wholeness, to grow us more and more into the image of Christ Jesus. Okay. So, now let's go to first corinthians chapter 12. corinthians chapter first corinthians chapter 12. Now, we're going to start at verse 1. it says now concerning spiritual gifts brethren i do not want you to be ignorant you know that you were gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led therefore i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This is interesting because the apostle here is um, making it clear how we will know who or what is in operation. Now, one side note about the Corinthian church, the Corinthians, you know, they were Uh, believers in Christ, they had received the gifts of tongues, which means that they were given the power to speak in tongues. And so they were familiar with the power and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The problem was instead of using the gift to magnify God and edify one another, they were using the gift to show off. And it was the gift of tongues. They would stand up in meetings and they spoke in the language, which no one else understood, hoping that people would be impressed. And they exalted the sign gifts and tongues is one of the sign gifts. Remember, we said that tongues was not for the believer, but for the unbeliever, okay? And they claimed, you know, spiritual uh, superiority because they thought, you know, because I speak in tongues. So this led to pride and, and also it, it caused feelings of envy and inferiority and worthlessness on the part of other people. So the apostle had to correct their attitude and their handling of these spiritual gifts. And this is what this chapter is all about of how, not only what the spiritual gifts are, but how to use them. So he said, I don't want you to be ignorant in the matter of spiritual gifts. Okay, now in verse three, he says, I want to make known to you that no one's speaking by the spirit of God. So they were familiar with supernatural manifestations. They knew, you know, they knew about spirit manifestations. So they wanted Paul, Apostle Paul wanted them to be able to discern between the voice of the evil spirits and the manifestations of evil spirits and the authentic voice of the Holy Spirit. So he said that this is the crucial test that if a man says Jesus is accursed, you can be sure that he is demon inspired because evil spirits will, you know, characteristically, they are going to blaspheme and curse the name of Jesus. But the spirit of God would never lead anyone to speak of the savior in this way. I I remember um, I was in Africa years ago, many years ago, and I was doing a crusade there and there was a young man who was uh, demon possessed and the Lord used me to go to him and to cast that demon out. And when he finally left, the demon left, and this is how I could tell, because I asked him who was Jesus Christ. I said, repeat after me, Jesus Christ is Lord. And he was able to say that. Now, prior to that, there was all kinds of activity that was going on that he was um, exhibiting that you knew were not quite right so this is something that's really really key he says that you or a spirit would not be able to say that jesus is lord except by the holy spirit okay so that's a clear uh, sign and evidence right there to be able to judge what spirit is speaking now we're talking about the holy spirit but we know that there are other spirits small s and I know it might sound spooky to some people, but it is the reality because there are demon spirits in this world. A lot of times people don't even like to talk about Satan. When they think about him, they think about, I don't know what they think about, but he is definitely not that, you know, dressed in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. And that's a whole nother teaching. And I may even, you know, we, we may even go there one day. I don't know. However. I want us to be clear about, and as Apostle Paul wanted to be clear about the manifestation of the spirit of God. So then he says in verse four, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Okay. So there's a variety of gifts that the Holy of the Holy spirit in the church. Okay. And he says, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So he talks about that. There are differences of ministries or services in the church. We, don't, we will not all do the same work. We have one thing in common, and that is we do what we do in the name of the Lord, but each person has a different gift and a different ministry, something that they are doing differently for the Lord. Verse six says, and there are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works in all in all. So again, we see, in verse 4, and 5, and 6, I love the congruence, the congruency of the Bible. In verse 4, we see God the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, we see God the Son. And in verse 6, we see God the Father. So I like the fact that Paul made it clear about the diversities of gifts, the different gifts and activities that are in the church as far as the spiritual gifts are concerned. But it's the same God or the same Holy Spirit who empowers each believer, If one gift that's operating seems to be more successful or more spectacular or more powerful than another, it's not because of the person that possesses it. It's no need of us getting jealous of each other's gifts because the gifts come from the Holy Spirit. But it's God who is supplying that power. OK, the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in the life of each believer. And he does this by imparting some gift. Okay, that's the manifestation of the spirit as it says in verse seven. It's given to each one, but those gifts are so that all will profit. Okay, so now let's look at these gifts. Let's look at these gifts. So we are looking at another set of gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we first start out with looking at... um in verse eight, it says "For to one is given the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom through the spirit. Okay. So now the word of wisdom. So the gifts are also um, grouped into categories. So we're going to look at them. So the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom is a supernatural um, word that is given again from the mind of God it's only a word however it's only a word of what God knows he only gives us a word it is a gift that is given and it's different than just general wisdom it's not just the general wisdom that you or I might have but it's actually a word from the mind of God Um, in Acts chapter 11 and we're not going to go there but I want you to write it down in Acts chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 Agabus, who uh, was a prophet, told the um, the church that there would be a famine. And he told them what to do uh, to assist the people who were going to experience that famine. That's in Acts chapter 11. And then in Acts chapter 21, verses 10 through 14, let's go there real quick though. We will take a look at that. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 21, and uh let's start at verse 10 acts chapter 21 verse 10. we're looking at the word of wisdom it says um, verse 10 acts chapter 21 verse 10 and we stayed many and as we stayed many days a certain prophet named agabus came down from judea this was the same agabus from acts chapter 11 that gave them a word about the famine When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So here is a word of wisdom given from a prophet by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives him this word of wisdom. He gives this word of wisdom to the apostle Paul. Now the word of, the word of wisdom, it's, it is a revelation. It will reveal something. So the word of wisdom is in the category of a revelation gift. It's a revelator, or revelatory gift, let's say revelatory gift. Okay, so a revelatory gift, <clears throat> again, are the eyes of God. They are the eyes of God and they are also um, tidbits from the mind of God. So when the uh, person operates with a word of wisdom, they are speaking something that's from the mind of God. They're speaking with the eye of God. And it usually is something that's going to reveal because it is, it's a revelatory gift. So it's different than just your general wisdom that a person might have. Okay. Now let's go back to first Corinthians chapter uh, 12 and look at the rest of these gifts. So, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Okay, so here it is. To another the word of knowledge through the same spirit. A word of knowledge, word of knowledge. So a word of knowledge is a revelation of certain facts that's in the mind of God. So this is our mind's God. He reveals it to us. Again, it's just a word or a part of his knowledge. You know, we could not handle all of God's vast knowledge so he could only give us a word. Okay. So it's just a word. And again, it's going to reveal something to us from the mind of God. It's going to reveal something to us from the mind of God. So. Um, it comes through and normally the a, a word of knowledge can come through the vehicle of tongues and interpretation. You know, we talked about, remember, we talked about tongues and interpretation, which is, um, a, a, a vocal gift. We're going to look at that. And the word of knowledge can usually come through the tongue that's given. And then, because we don't know what it is unless someone interprets that tongue, then when the interpretation of the tongue come forth, it'll be a word that's from the mind of God. It'll be certain facts that God wants us to know. So again, it is a revelation gift, okay? So that is word of knowledge, not natural knowledge. This is a word of knowledge that comes from the mind of God, okay? Um, I'm going to go ahead and read through the rest of this, and then we'll go back to, to the groups and look at the groups. Let's do that. So, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Verse eight, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and go ahead and check that off. That's word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge. That's two through the same spirit to another faith. That's three by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit, that's four. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So we should have here, we've got word of wisdom, word of knowledge, two. Gift of faith, three gifts of healings four, working of miracles, five, prophecy, six, discerning of spirit, seven, tongues, eight, and the interpretation of tongues. These are the nine gifts of the spirit. Okay, now let's go back and group them together. We're going to start with, and we've already started with that in looking at the revelatory gifts, okay? The revelatory gifts, the gifts that reveal something. I mean, they are the eyes of God. So the word of wisdom and word of knowledge are the two of them. And we have a third one, which is found in verse 10. It says um, discerning of spirits to another, the discerning of spirits. So that's the third revelation gift, the discerning of spirits. Now, the discerning of spirits is the gift that sees into the spirit world. Because remember, the, the revelation gifts are the eyes of God. They allow us to see through God's eyes. So a person who has the gift of discerning, not discernment, discernment is a natural gift, but the discerning of spirits is seeing into the spirit world to find out what spirit is in operation. Now, not just looking in the spirit world to see what demonic spirits are in operation, but a person who has the gift of discerning of spirits will also be able to see when it's the spirit of God. And the best illustration of that is uh, in Luke or Acts chapter 16. That's probably the most uh, powerful um, passage. And I guess we have to go there real quick. Acts chapter 16. And we'll start at verse 16, Acts 16, 16. Now it happened as we, this is uh, the apostle Paul and some of the other disciples, as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Now, the only way that he would know that is because the discerning of spirits was operating in him. Okay. He, she was possessed with the spirit of divination who brought her masters, much profit by fortune telling verse 17. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit, not to the girl, But to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So the apostle Paul recognized by the spirit of the discerning of spirits that even though what she was saying, yes, they were men and servants of the most high God. And they proclaimed, they were proclaiming the way of salvation. However, the spirit as it always will be a demonic spirit will always try to draw attention to itself. This is trickery because it was really kind of different to see that the spirit was talking about They were the men of God. They were prophets of God, servants of God. However, he recognized, and this is the only way that you can tell it, because what she was saying by the power of the demonic spirit was true. And you would think that that was God speaking. And that is why the discerning of spirits is key, because we need to have that gift to be able to tell when it is a spirit speaking and not the spirit of God. And we also need to have the discerning of spirits, the gift of the discerning of spirits to know when it is the spirit of God, because he knew because it was the spirit of God who revealed it to us, that revealed it to him, okay? And we see the a lot of these gifts operated powerfully, again, in the apostle, because he was the apostle, Paul. He was an apostle. So the revelation gifts, discerning of spirits, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Okay, now let's look at the power gifts. The power gifts. We see um, back in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's look at the power gifts. So we see in verse nine, It says to another faith, faith, the gift of faith, the gift of faith is a supernatural endowment by the spirit, whereby what is uttered or that's desired by man or spoken by God. Okay. Now it will come to pass. This is just not the measure of faith that's given to every person to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and savior, because it says every believer has a measure of faith, but this is a special faith. It goes a step further. It enables a person that have that gift to be able to believe without a shadow of a doubt that what they are speaking or what God has spoken is going to come to pass. And they will either operate and do something with that gift of faith. It will be an action that they would do that they would not ordinarily do, or they would say something that they would not ordinarily say. Okay, so it is a special gift and It comes again from the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith. We read about in Joshua uh, chapter 10, when he commands and says, Lord, I need to finish this battle, but the sun needs to stand still. Only the gift of faith would even speak that to believe that God would do that for him and God did that for him. And then Mary in Luke chapter one, the mother of Jesus, that is the perfect example of the gift of faith when the angel Gabriel came to tell her that she was going to have a baby. And she said, how can this be? When I'm not even married. I don't have a husband. I'm a virgin. And he told her how it would happen because of the gift of faith that she had, that the Holy Spirit gave her. She was able to say, be it unto me according to your word. That was the gift of faith in operation. She would not have been able to have said that because it was impossible. So, That's the power gift. Okay. The gift of faith. Another power gift we see, um, in that same verse is the gifts of healings, gifts of healings. These are different manifestations of healings. Jesus did not heal any two people in the same manner. And they may have all had, you know, the same affliction, but he healed them all differently. So this is the gifts of healings. Now, Uh, The raising of the dead, for raising the dead, the gift of healings, and the next gift that we're going to look at work together, which is the working of miracles, the gifts of working miracles, okay? The gifts of working miracles. Again, a miracle is a supernatural occurrence that would only happen and could only happen by God it may not manifest immediately. There were some miracles that Jesus did that did not necessarily happen right away. Most did, but many didn't like the man that was blind. The first time he was still blind. I mean, he was, his vision was blurry and Jesus had to uh, lay hands on him again. However, and I want to say something about that too that wasn't on Jesus's end because we know he's perfect. He's the son of God, that what he does is perfect. That had to do with the faith of that man and these, you know, to receive a miracle oftentimes depends and has to do with our belief in that miracle. And sometimes it requires the gift of faith in order for us to believe and then receive the miracle. Okay, but it's the working of miracles. Okay, now, Those are the power gifts, which represent the hands of God. So we've seen the revelation gifts, which represent the eyes of God. We are looking at the power gifts, which represents the hands of God. Okay. Now let's look at the last power gift, which is the, um, oh, we looked at all three. I'm sorry. We're going to go to the next grouping. So the next grouping of gifts are the vocal gifts. Okay. They're called the vocal gifts because they speak and they speak and represent the mouth of God. So they are found in uh, verse 10. It says uh, to another prophecy, prophecy, okay? That is the gift of prophecy. We already looked at the office of a prophet, okay? But this is the gift of prophecy. Now we already talked about before that prophecy The gift of prophecy is to edify, comfort, and to exhort. To edify, to comfort, and to exhort. To edify, we saw that in Ephesians chapter four. To edify, to comfort, and exhort. That's what the gift of prophecy does. If a person stands up, and notice we said that they can give a word of wisdom or they can give a word of knowledge, it's gonna come through that gift of prophecy. So they can stand up and says, the Lord says that, Um, Don't worry about the problems and the situation that's going on at hand, know that God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never, never forsake you. Uh, God is going to stand by the situation, make it worse, but know that God is faithful. He will not, he's not a man that he can lie. That is edifying someone, comforting someone and exhorting someone. That's the gift of prophecy. And it comes through, and that's a word of knowledge because the situation was such that that some information needed to be given out. And that was knowledge that that situation that you're going through, if that's what you heard, that situation that you're going through, that's a word of knowledge. Only the Holy Spirit knows that. You didn't tell anybody about that. So when you hear that, when that person stands up or that person calls you on the phone and says, you know, what God has said, they may not say, thus saith the Lord. But if they say that, that situation that you're going through, you know that, wow, this person is operating with the word of knowledge. And it's also the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. So that's a vocal gift. Another vocal gift is tongues, okay? The gift of tongues. And we already talked a little bit about that. And we said that tongues is, speaking in an unknown, it's utterance, a supernatural utterance in an unknown language. And that means unknown to the person who is speaking. Okay. And we also looked at the three purposes for tongues. We saw in first Corinthians chapter 14, which is what we started out with. It was to communicate with God. Okay. To build ourselves up and to give the oracles of God, whatever God wants to say, because God can use tongues as well to give a word of prophecy, to edify, to exhort and strengthen, to give a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. It could come through the vehicle of tongues, but there must be, which is the third vocal gift, is it must be an interpretation. Otherwise it will not edify, comfort, exhort, or strengthen the body or the person who is, is hearing, okay? So that's, those are the vocal gifts. So let's go back quickly. We've got the revelation gifts, which is discerning of spirits, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. They represent the eyes of God. We've got the power gifts, which represent the hands of God. That's the gifts, the gift of working miracles, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing. And then we have the vocal gifts, which uh, represent the mouth of God and they are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. So these are the nine gifts that are given. Again, these gifts are given by the same spirit. Verse uh, 11 of chapter 12 says in Corinthians, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Not as you will, not as I will, but as he wills. That's how the gifts come. He says, for as one body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. Okay. So that is um, the roundup of the gifts. We can, uh, when we go down to, uh, in that same chapter, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter, chapter 12, first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. Here we are first apostles, second prophets, third teachers after that miracles, then gifts of healings helps. There's another gift administration, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? We know the answer to that. No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. We know that. Do all have the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? And we're talking about the public tongue that goes forth that needs an interpretation. The answer is no. But, and this is verse 31 of of this chapter, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. So I love how he lays out these uh, gifts. He laid them out in starting in verse uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And then he talks more about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But right in between is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is called the love chapter. And in my Bible, the caption says, or the heading says, Exercise gifts with love. And look at how he starts out with it in 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith, all the faith, and he's talking about the gift of faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love. I am nothing. So, you know, it's a continuation when these letters were first written, they were not divided uh, by the author, which was Paul. It was one continuous flow. So it was like when he was writing and started out in first Corinthians chapter 12 and talking to the Corinthians and talking to us about, yes, we should desire these gifts, we should desire the best gifts because we want to strengthen the body of Christ. We want to edify the body of Christ. We want to be used for the purposes of which God has called us. And we need these gifts in order to do so. But we need to make sure that we are operating by and through love because these gifts operate by and through love. That's the only way they perform. And that is what was missing from the Corinthian church. Uh, First Corinthians, this is one of my most favorite letters that the Apostle wrote because it actually deals with the church and it speaks to our modern day church that oftentimes is seeking signs and wonders and miracles. And sometimes we can be seeking signs and wonders and miracles. And we want to speak and speak the oracles of God. And we see a prophet get up and say, thus saith the Lord. And we see uh, a person working, laying hands on a person and a miracle happens, or we see them praying and a miracle happens and we see that person and we want that person's faith. But we don't realize that most of the time, it's a gift that came from the Holy spirit that that person has. But when in our hearts, our motive is right, that we desire to be a blessing to the kingdom of God, that we desire to be used in the hands of God, that we desire to be God's eyes, to see with God's eyes, to work with our hands, with God's hands, to allow our mouth to be used for God's glory, to say, what thus says the Lord and what the Lord has to say. When we have that desire because we want God's people to be strengthened and encouraged and built up and edified and matured, then we're on the right path. We are viable candidates for the Holy Spirit to use. Now we know already, and you probably have witnessed and have experienced gifts coming from people who are, you know, you would think, well, I never, you know, because of their lifestyle, for example, why would God use them? And that's how you know that those gifts come from God. There was a great evangelist one time who was in sin, known sin, in sin, but he would come and preach uh, services and, and hordes of people would get saved and delivered, set free, but he was living in sin. Why would God use him? Because we don't tell God how to do his business. That's how we know that those gifts that he was operating in word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, gift of prophecy, gifts of healings, the gifts of uh, the working of miracles, because he worked and, and flowed in all of those that the spirit, the Holy Spirit decided to allow him to work in those and to allow those gifts to work through him, even in spite of himself. And that's because it's God's choosing, but we desire to drink water. If I gave you a glass, two, there were two glasses of water sitting in front of you and you were very, very thirsty. And um, or if there was one glass of water that was in front of you and you were very, very thirsty, very thirsty. And that water, the glass was filthy dirty, but the water on the inside was clean and clear. You could see that, but the glass itself was dirty. You would still take a drink because you're thirsty. God desires us to be a clean vessel for his use, but we know that, and you can probably attest, I know I can, that there have been times when I have not been where I needed to be with God, and I know in my heart that I wasn't, but he was still using me for his glory. And that's the grace of God, it's the grace of God, because the gifts of God, gifts means, it comes from the word charismata, and it means gifts, God-given. That's where we get charisma from. God-given, the gifts of God, the gifts of God, the Holy Spirit, to edify, to strengthen, to build up the church and to do the work of the ministry as we saw. Let's pray. Father, I pray that First of all, I pray for clean a clean heart. Holy Spirit, reveal to me whatever's in my heart, whatever is not right, whatever I've said or done or didn't say or didn't do or any thoughts, anything that's not pleasing in your sight, reveal them to me. I need and want a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I don't want to be a vessel that's tainted on the inside that will eventually come to the outside. I want to be clean and pure so that you can flow through me. And Lord, there are times when I falter and I don't operate in the strength and the power that you have given me. So I pray that you will cleanse me. I pray that you will fill me by the power of your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing. I want to be used by you. I pray that the words that you give me and that the revelation that you give me can be released so that I can fearlessly declare and make known the mystery of the gospel because you have called me to be an ambassador for the kingdom. I desire the best gifts to be used for the kingdom of God. I pray that I will share the wonderful news of your kingdom with boldness, but I want also Lord God to be empowered as your servant to speak the word of God freely, courageously. I want the signs and the wonders to follow the word to be spoken. I want to be able to operate in your power, to see with your eyes, to operate with your hands, to hear what you're speaking. I want your ears, I want your eyes, I want the mind of Christ. The same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead are you Holy Spirit, and you live in me. You live in me. I pray for your gifts to work through me as you want them to, for your glory and for your honor. I desire them. Thank you for filling me. Thank you for gifting me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Victorious Life is Yours. Each week, I will cheer you on to cross your finish lines of victory. You can find me on social media and on my website, reneemariejones.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment. Until the next time, victorious ones,